Thank you for having me here. Um, it's just a blessing to be here this morning. And um, just a little bit on uh, what Pastor Tucker was saying, just a continuation of that. I just want to go back uh, into history and tell like how uh, Calvary Boise and uh, India, Calvary India, uh, got connected. So this was uh, back in 1989, 34 years ago. Uh, my dad wanted to come to uh, U.S. because it's a, it was his dream to come here and try to uh, better the family condition, to financially succeed. So he wanted to, he was looking for opportunities to work here. But in his heart also, he wanted to serve the Lord. So he was looking and then um, one day, one Wednesday evening, you know, things didn't work out well. And one Wednesday evening, he happened to come into Calvary Boise's Wednesday night service. And at that time, uh, he met uh, a pastor, and uh, incidentally, uh, that person is still here. And uh, his name is Frank Reese. I think he's walking there. <laughs> so he's still here. So he just, uh, uh, he was the pastor then. I mean, he was the assistant pastor then. At the, in the same time, Pastor Bob was in Bangalore looking for opportunities to uh, serve in missions there. So my dad is from Bangalore. He's here, here in Boise walking into the door while Pastor Bob's in Bangalore looking for a person. So they uh, called Pastor Bob. They said, hey, there's this Indian guy who walked into the door and uh, uh, why don't you meet him? And so he probably uh, made a, like, you know, like this, uh, I mean, I won't say the trip is useless, but it's like 24 hour journey back and forth. So he came back and met my dad. They fasted and prayed. And uh, my dad said, okay, maybe this is God's um, leading. So he went back. Uh, and uh, started the ministry there in a small slum called uh, Kormangla. And uh, slum is a place where, like, you know, for example, this is uh, like just the music area there. You know, that will be like one house. It will have like five people living in it. And imagine like thousands of houses like that next to each other. And they're all like tin roofs or coconut leaves uh, roofs, you know, um, not, not like a permanent structure at all. So uh, we started serving the Lord. Um, preaching the gospel, having Sunday schools and all that. So that was the beginning days of uh, the relationship between Calvary Boise and Calvary India. And so uh, we, just like you all are a church family, uh, we are part of your family. And uh, maybe you don't see us, but still uh, we consider uh, Boise as a part of our family. And I'm sure many of you also consider uh, Calvary India as part of your family. And uh, we thank you for all the support that you do, the prayers, and, and, and just sending people to visit the uh, projects. And so we get encouraged by that. We get encouraged that there are people praying, there are people who are working uh, for the ministry there. And so um, what started then, 1989, today we've had like uh, so many orphanages, so many children, like nearly 2,000 children who have graduated from the orphanages that were started because of this church's initiative. And not only that, we have more than 67 churches and hundreds of house churches, and uh, we have uh, so many programs. And we have on Wednesday all evening, you know, that we will share about India and what God's doing there, how God's uh, brought this amazing fruit from this small uh, effort that started from Boise here. And uh, please be there, you know, on Wednesday night, and I'll be sharing more. But today, uh, we'll just be focusing on God's word. We'll continue from uh, First Peter, and I'll also just share a few things from India, you know, while I'm sharing God's word today. So uh, let's read uh, First Peter, chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, and then uh, we'll pray and begin. 
First Peter chapter one, verses three to five. <clears throat> Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you bless our gathering here this morning. We ask, Lord, that you bless the word that you have in front of us. Speak to us, O oh Lord. We are desperate for you. We are needy for your touch. Lord, we trust in you. Our hope is in you. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Lead us, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So when I first uh, came to the US, uh, I lived in the US for six years. I came in 2003 for my uh, graduate studies. So I came here and uh, they introduced me uh, to three things in life, very important things. If you're an American, if you want to be an American, you need to have these three things. So I hope you'll finish this sentence for me. Faith, family, it's okay, yeah. Football, right? <laughs> Faith, <laughs> family, football. It's okay, I mean, I'm glad it's uh, the beginning of the season and 11 o'clock is the start time and you're here in church, I'm very happy. God bless you all. You know, so, so, but football was very important, they said. So I started getting interested in football and the first thing I noticed was, my first question was, why is it called football when everything is being done with the hand? And uh, it took, took some convincing, but I was uh, really hooked into football. And uh, we can talk about football or send hope, you know, at the desk, you know, after the service there. And in football, there is something called uh, Hail Mary Pass. You know, I'm sure, you know, Hail Mary Pass. So that happens, you know, in desperation. That happens at the end of the game. That happens hoping that you score six points. And here, Peter is talking about a hope, a living hope. In verse 3, he says, because of his great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope. Many times, you know, when we talk about the word hope, it's filled with uncertainty. The worldly hope is like a Hail Mary pass. It's like, and I hope I'm going to score. I hope there's good things at the end of the road. But the Bible's meaning of the word hope is not that. Sometimes, you know, you have like, you know, fingers crossed, right? That is also hope. It's a sign of like hope, you know, I'm hoping things work out. So that is not the definition of the living hope that the Bible talks about. So today I'm going to talk about what's the Christian hope and how it's different from the hope of the world, which is uncertainty, which is, uh, which is we don't know what's going to come down the road. But here, the Christian hope, what is it? And how does it affect me? How does it affect me today? So those are the things we are going to see today. So what is this living hope? What is this Christian hope that we have? So as you read on in this verse, it says, we, he has given us new birth into a living hope 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that is the birthplace of our hope. The birthplace of our hope is the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Christian hope is not something that you hope for, that you think it will work out. It is a certainty. It is a certainty. It is certain and it shapes my life because it's a certainty of the resurrection of our Lord and Jesus Savior, right? Like, for example, when, whenever Apostle Paul used to go and um, talk about Jesus Christ in Acts chapter 17, 23, 24, he goes and talks before many people. People are very eagerly listening to his message till the point he brings up resurrection. Till the point he brings up resurrection. And they say, no, you are a, you are a blabberer. You have, like, you know, you've read too many books, you know, so you've gone mad. You know, come back later, let's talk about it later. So these are the responses when, when, it's talk, when, it's, when he's talking about resurrection. Peter's example. Peter, you know, when he's talking about, I mean, Peter also, I'll, I'll come back to Peter later. Paul's also, you know, when he's standing on trial, he says, today I'm standing on trial for my hope or faith in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So even today, you know, people have this doubt about resurrection. If anybody is here, you know, you're here for the first time, or you probably have friends who don't, like, believe everything about Jesus Christ. Oh, man, Jesus is cool. Like, you know, he's, uh, he's got amazing teachings, and he's a great teacher. But they stop at that. You know, there is this good resource. You know, it's this uh, book called Reason for God by uh, Timothy Keller, Pastor Tim Keller. And in this book, Reason for God, chapter 13, there are, there are 10 to 15 points, you know, probably 10 to 15 points that he presents to skeptics to tell them, to give them the, I mean, evidence. You know, many times the burden of the proof they think is on the Christians, on the believers. No, the burden of, the, of proof is on the, on the skeptic. They have to answer those 10 questions. So if you, have, uh, if you have the book or if you have time, you read that, it's just amazing. I, I was just blown by the evidence for resurrection. And I know as, as a church family here, we are, you know, we believe in the Lord uh, Jesus and we are here sitting under the power of his resurrection. The power, the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is in each one of us today and is alive in us and is working in us. And so this morning I want to talk about the certainty of that, the certainty of the resurrection in each one of our lives. Because that's the living hope. That's where everything starts in our life. That's the beginning point. That I know that I have this hope. Like, you know, there was this uh, story about uh, this uh, couple of ladies. Um, and one lady was told, uh, you have to work eight hours a day, and you have to work in this widget factory. And you have to stand and keep working, you know, uh, just with part of the widget, something, you know. And you will be paid $30,000 for this, for this task. And you have to come every day and work and $30,000 is your salary. The same type of job, same number of hours, same situation. Another lady, they said, we will pay you $30 million. And she's like, wow. So now, a few days later, they come and they ask the first lady, you know, how's work going? How's it going? And she said, no, it's, it's tedious. You know, I, I'm tired of standing, and I think I'll quit in a few days. And they come and ask the second lady. They ask her, like, what do you think about your job? 
She's like, wow, man, it's wonderful. I mean, I tap my tap dance to work every day. I whistle while I'm working every day. I mean, she's, she's like having fun at work. So I'm not talking about the monetary consequence here, but what we see here is the, what I believe in the future shapes who I am today. What I believe is my final destination changes who I am today, the way I live, the way I have relationships, the way I work, the way I think, the way I use money and possessions and everything. So, so we are all future-oriented human beings that God's made. And, and, and what we believe is who we are today. And so, so here Paul, Peter is saying that, that we have this living hope through the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. That we will have the certainty. What is the certainty? You know, there are a few scriptures I want to talk about. You know, 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, We will be like him. We will see him just as he is. So one day we are going to see him just as he is. And then another passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17. This is our final uh, place, you know, how, how Paul writes about it and, and how we have to, as believers, you know, understand this. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 17, it says, Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. We will always be with the Lord. And he goes on to say, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And encourage one another with these words. You know, there's uh, some believers in, in India who uh, every time you meet them and like, you know, when, when you disperse, you know, sometimes you say shalom or you say bye. And this group of friends that I have, they say marnata. Marnata, they say. It means come, O Lord. Come soon, O Lord. So, so it is that because it, it's always pointing us to our destination. It's always pointing me to the certainty of the fact that I am going to be with Jesus. We are all going to be with Jesus for forever. And that, that changes my mind. That changes my perspective about everything in life. And also there is this, another verse, you know, it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 10, it says, we will live together with him. We will live together with him. And that is the reality of the Christian. And when we are ministering to people in, in, in the slums and, and, and orphan children, we have nothing to offer. We have nothing to offer. Many times, you know, it's heartbreaking when you hear stories of, of people coming and sharing about their situation, their poverty. And we have nothing to offer. We want to help, but we are unable to help. And we try. And, and the best thing is, you know, we, we tell them about the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ, the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. There was this um, curious thing that was happening in India. Like what happened, uh, there was this young kids, you know, in the rural area. By the way, 75% of India, uh, recent, last month, there was a study by UN. It said 75% of India, they cannot afford a proper diet. And we are a population of 1.4 billion. 75% of that. It's almost like a billion people without able to afford a proper diet. So this related to that, so they started noticing primary school students not able to come to uh, school. They're not like, they're dropouts. They're dropping off from school. And uh, they, they're noticing like, why is this? And, and they're trying to find out the reasons, but it's unable to find out. 
And then they go to their homes, they did a survey and they started going to the homes of the children who are dropping out. They go to the homes and there are women, the, the mothers of these young kids are going to work as a manual laborer each day in the morning. So they go work in the morning. So obviously because they are going to work, they cannot prepare uh, breakfast at home. And so when these kids come uh, with an empty stomach to school, they are either sleeping because they are so tired and they are not able to focus. And so they are made fun by the other kids, so they drop out of school. So the reason was they don't have breakfast. And so it was like an eye-opening thing for the survey, for when the survey people when they did this. And they're like, okay, no, we need to do something about it. And you know what the government did? It's, it's, I, I really appreciate that. It's one of the states, you know, this government has did, recently announced. They said, we are going to give free breakfast in the school. And immediately, they the day they started giving free breakfast in school, the enrollments, like, you know, they soared, like, kids are coming. They're so happy to come to school. Because they, they, they're looking forward to come to school because they get free breakfast in school. And that's the situation of poverty because the mother has to work because one person earning in the home will not make ends meet. So when, when people like this come, you know, it, it's very, it's heartbreaking, you know, to how to, how to support them. And, and the only thing we can give other than the love and the, something that we can offer them is that, you know, there's this living hope. There'll be a time when, when all this poverty will be removed. There'll be time that God will wipe away all our tears. That all the brokenness that we see around us in this world, all the vanity that we see around in this world, that God's going to remove that. And th that's the certainty that when we live with the Lord, that when we are with the Lord, you know, God's going to restore. You know, Revelation chapter 21, it's the first few verses I'll read. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. And then it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne, look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one seated on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. He also said, Write, write, because, write, these, write because these words are faithful and true. Amen. That's, that's our final destination. That's where we will all be. It's a, it's a restoration of what is broken today. And so because of the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus Christ, it starts today. It's, it starts today that we have tasted, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 6, that we have tasted the powers of the age to come. That means, you know, we are here, you know, as we are coming here as a family, as we are worshipping the Lord, as we pray to Him, as we are having relationship with our Lord, it's a taste of eternity. It's, it's, a, it's a small taste, it's a foretaste of what we are going to enjoy in God's presence one day and the restoration that God's going to bring one day. And, 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 and this changes me. I mean, this changed me. This, this, uh, this, this truth like revolutionized um, uh, everything about my life. And I've seen this truth has revolutionized many of you here. And I've seen this happen, this amazing truth. That this living hope that we have through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful thing it is.
And the second thing I want to talk about is the uh, verse 4. It says, the second thing is, into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It is, it is, it is imperishable. Basically, it means there is no expiry date on it. Everything that you see has an expiration date. Your car, the milk you buy, and everything in life. But there's this one thing, this inheritance that you have in Christ that has no expiration date. And, and, and it says, you know, do not store up for treasures for yourself in, uh, where moth and rust destroy, but store, up, store them up in heaven. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where is my treasure? Where is my inheritance today? And now we come to the second part of the message. How does it impact me today? How does it impact each one of us today? And that's the thing, you know, when we have this, when we go out in the ministry, my dad, uh, Pastor Guna, you know, he, uh, because we've been in this ministry many, a long time, you know, we have some favor in the eyes of the government. It's not easy to get favor in the eyes of our government. But, you know, we get calls every week, even last week, a few months back, we got a call. I was traveling with my dad, and we got a call. And the government people, they said, like, you know, we have this 16-year-old uh, girl. You know, she's been abused, and she's HIV AIDS. You know, she's got the disease, and, and her family has rejected her. And the village people don't want to be near her. And she came to the government, and uh, the government health services, human and health services, you know, they cannot, they don't have a place for her. And so we want to sell them to Calvary Chapel. So it's like, okay, fine. <laughs> Who God brings, you know, we'll receive. The Bible says, as Christ accepted you, you accept other people. And so, so we accept them, and then and, and the girl is now, you know, she's so joyful. You look at her, she's got a smile on her face always. She has a hope for the future. Not just earthly hope, but also an eternal hope, which was not there a few months ago. And so, and so th this is this beautiful thing about hope that, 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 my life changes today, and it's continuing to change today. It starts today, and it goes on into eternity. And that's this beautiful thing. And so this in inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. The Bible says that the flower fades away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. What a beautiful thing it is. To be in God's presence, you know, one day we will all be there. Like, you know, we'll all be worshipping. Maybe I'll be singing in Tamil and you'll be singing in English and there'll be like different, different languages, but we'll all be having a lot of fun doing that. And, and what a glorious day it will be. And when God, there's no tears. There's no death. I mean, just imagine there's no death. Death is like, you know, is, 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 the, is the final enemy, the Bible says. And our Jesus, our champion, you know, he's, he's, he's overcome death. And so, so it's going to be this amazing future for each one of us. I mean, a Christian, a, a true believer can never lose because he's going to be in God's presence. And so how does this truth affect me? You know, how does this truth affect me in everything that I do? Right? The first thing is it affects my relationship. It affects the way I look at possessions, the things that I have. It affects me. There's a preacher who said, like, you know, keep as light of a touch with this world as possible. As light of a touch as possible. I mean, many people will define it in different ways. I'm not here to give a definition for that. And God will speak to you about that. Why? 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Um, in light of what's happening, this is how uh, Paul's thinking. He says, in verse 29, it says, 
1 Corinthians 7.29. This is what I mean, brothers. The time is limited. He says, the time is limited. So from now on, those who have wives should be as though they have none. They had none. Those who weep as though they did not weep. Those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice. Those who buy as though they didn't own anything. Those who use the world as though they did not make full use of it. For this world in its current form is passing away. It's passing away. So the relationships that we have with the husband and wife relationships and the father-children relationships or the church relationships, it's so precious because the world is passing away. And, and, and we have only a short time. And that, that puts, you know, it's not a pressure, it's something that I want, to be, I want to be very intentional about my relationships. I want to be intentional about everything that I do, the time that I have on this earth. Because the Bible says the world in its current form is passing away. And the second thing is, also the, the love of God. The inheritance, you know, when it talks about, it is this agape love of God. There's a preacher called Jonathan Edwards, like huge, like uh, amazing man of God, you know, from America. And so he writes in one of his sermons, he, he basically, you know, like, you know, I mean, when I read Jonathan Edwards' messages, like, you know, his sermons, I mean, I just like, the glories of heaven, I mean, I've never seen anybody write about the glories of heaven. I mean, like, I just want to go to heaven when I read that message. Like, you know, I want to be in heaven right away. <laughs> like, you know, that's how he writes. I mean, this amazing, gifted preacher. And so, uh, he says, like, you know, in this message titled, Heaven, the World, uh, the world of Love, he says. Uh, he says that um, in this relationships in this world, you know, it's like a clogged pipe. Like, you know, you have a pipe and then there's muddy mud inside and then you pour water on one side and it comes out, you know, not everything comes out here. Because, you know, our love is, is, is stained and, 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 and it's it, it stained because of envy, uh, selfishness and self-serving attitude or jealousy and so on. So that's how this world is and, and we have witnessed this. We've gone through heartbreaks. We've gone through relationships that have been cut off. And for an unbeliever, the end of his relationship is, is when, 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 when he dies. There was this young boy, you know, who, who lost his cousin. And his cousin was like, you know, asking him. Um, I mean, he, this, this cousin, he was like very heartbroken. He's like, you know, he, he went and asked his dad, Dad, what happened to my cousin? He, um, why did he die? Where is he gone? Where is he right now? And the dad, you know, he's, a, he's an unbeliever. So, you know, he said, uh, you know, he, he's buried there and uh, uh, he's going to come in a new form. Uh, now, he's a fertilizer for this new plant, he said. And this young boy said, I don't want to be a fertilizer. And he ran away from that room. And it's just like a young heart, like, you know, he's innocent boy, you know. God's put that thought in his heart that he doesn't want to be a fertilizer. And so, so, so the thing is, the, the earthly love is clogged. But when you go into heaven, like, you know, it's this amazing love of God. The Father is there, the Son is there, the Holy Spirit is there. And just this amazing love of God and there's no parting, no saying end to relationships, no heartbreaks, no tears because of relationships. It's this amazing inheritance that we all have. What a, what a glorious thing it is to be in the presence of the Lord. And just today as, as children of God that we can foretaste this amazing thing that we are going to have, this inheritance, we are tasting it in a little bit. And, and God wants to do that. And also through suffering also. Eternity changes the way I suffer today. I suffer according to God's will. Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verse 34. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34. Uh, 
yeah, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 34, it says, For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions, because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. Amen? It changes. I mean, when I know that I have an enduring possession, it's all right if I have a dent in my car. It's all right, you know, if I lose something. It's fine. And the early church members, you know, the suffering church, the, the people who are suffering, they, they lost many things. They probably looks like they lost their house also for the sake of Jesus. For the sake of the gospel, they lost their house. And we have today stories in India where like, you know, people go through suffering. Like when they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it costs them a lot. India is like, you know, like, like all, mostly Eastern culture is very uh, familial culture, like you know, a lot of social bonding. So the moment I become a Christian from another religion, I am cut off completely. I'm, I, I'm not invited to family gatherings. I'm not invited to uh, celebrations. People stop talking to me. In fact, people start to ridicule me. Something, they're always waiting. Like, you know, biggest prayer request in, in India is, unbeliever comes, he comes to Christ. First month, second month, third month, the enemy wants to take him back. The darkness wants to get him back. And one way is through the relatives always are looking at him and saying like, oh, you fell sick? You know why you fell sick? Because you started to go to church. You know why you lost that job? Because you started to believe in Jesus. That is the biggest prayer request. And so this ridicule, this suffering for the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so, so the church family becomes even more important. That's why I said um, family blood, yes, it's good. But the blood of Jesus... It is even more powerful. The bonding from the blood of Jesus, it is even stronger than the bond that we have through the blood that we have you know, from our family relationships. And so, so this is what happens. Even in my suffering, I am able to look at eternity because I know what I'm going to have. I know my inheritance is it's, 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 it's imperishable, undefiled. Nobody can snatch it away. Nobody can take it away. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. And so, so this is what's happening. So I'm, I'm, I'm suffering the right way. I'm loving the right way. I have the right attitude towards my relationships. And also there's another scripture in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23. The way I work also changes. The way I do my work in my office, in my home, or whatever. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, uh, 23 and uh, 24. It says, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something for the Lord and not for people knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all. I mean, whatever job, it could be a data entry job, it could be a janitor job, it could be a software job, or whatever it is, I am serving who? I am serving the Lord Jesus. I am not serving people. And, and that's the thing. It revolutionizes, it changes what I think about, it changes my mind, it changes everything about me. Right? So what a beautiful thing we are in, in a God's hands, you know, that, that we will have. You know, D.L. Moody said this, you know, D.L. Moody, as you know, the great evangelist, he said, someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I will be more alive than I am now. Amen. We will be the most alive people. We'll be more alive than we are now. We'll be more loved than we are right now in the presence of the Lord. And that inheritance, nobody can steal it away. Nobody can steal it away. And it is for you and for me, what God has given. 
So I want to close with one of these verses that my dad is always uh, talking about. And this changed me, you know, listening to this repeatedly. And it's an easy way to remember. John 12 and double it. It's 24. You double 12, it's 24. John 12, 24. It says, Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. What a beautiful thing. Unless it dies, it remains by itself. Just that seed. One seed, and you get one seed. But when that seed dies, it produces amazing fruit. So whatever you're doing, you know, wherever God has put you, wherever God has placed you, you know, God wants you to, you know, remember that inheritance, remember that hope, living hope that you have, and, you know, when you faithfully do something that God's want you to do, and you'll see the fruit. And I will end with a football uh, story. You know I like football, huh? But, you know, I, I am... I'm not, uh, I'm going to go back to India. We don't get football there, but I just follow this course. There's a football player called Kirk Cousins. Uh, and he, you know, he, he's always ridiculed for being a loser in the big stage. Like, you know, he, he loses the big game, they say. Like, yeah, he can win a lot of regular season games, but when the playoffs come, he, he blows it. Right? I mean, it's a very sad thing, you know, but he's a very good man of God. So there's this series on Netflix called Quarterback. You know, I was watching that, and towards the end, uh, last year, you know, he, he, they had a very good year, and then he starts to, uh, he's, they're playing this playoff game. And then he plays very well, actually, in that game. But unfortunately, he loses. And he's driving back home. You know, he's driving back home, and he is like, you know, he's talking to his wife, and he's like, you know, man, everything, all that we did, all the work we did, you know, the training camps, the OTAs, and everything, it comes like that. It just stops right there. Everything ends. And then he goes, he goes to his bedroom, he takes his son, uh, he wants to put him to bed, put him to sleep, and he brings his son, and then you know what he does? This glorious and beautiful thing. He goes there and he says a prayer with his son. Before he says a prayer, he sings this song with his son. The song is, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. That's our hope. My hope is built on Jesus Christ. Except for the rock of Jesus Christ, every other ground, my job, my, my status, my, my everything is sinking sand. That's the hope we have, the living hope. That because of where we are headed, because of what we are going to experience, it's going to change my today. And may God lead us. May God make this truth etched in our hearts. Make the Spirit of God give a revelation of this truth as we go on this week. That we have a living hope. It's not dead. It's a living hope. Nobody can take it. It's an inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading. We ask the Lord to lead us into more of His glory. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You. We thank You for who You are. We thank You for what You have planned for us, Lord. Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. It has not come to our understanding what God has planned for those who love Him. Lord, we ask, Lord, that we will remember the glories of heaven. 
Lord, that we will be under Jesus Christ. We will stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the inheritance, Lord, that cannot be taken away from us. We trust you, Lord. We are in need of you. Speak to us, O oh Lord. Lead us. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.